Chapter Eleven of Three People by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: Business and Bottles. He was still thinking when the busy work of the day was done, thinking anxiously about the same thing. It's there, plain as day he said in a perplexed tone sitting down on a corner of the bed and running his fingers distractedly through his hair woe unto him that giveth his neighbour drink that puttest thy bottle to him that's it word for word and that's the bible and i do it why fifty times a day and i've got to if i stay here that's a fact no getting around it tain't my bottle though it's mr roberts's and back of him it's Mr. Hastings's. I do declare, and Toad paused, overwhelmed with this new thought. Whatever do them two men mean now, I'd like to know. He continued, after a moment. Don't make no kind of difference, though. That's their lookout, I reckon. It's me that puts the bottle to the neighbor's lips, time and time again. No getting around that. They ain't my neighbors, though. I ain't got no neighbors, them are folks that lives next door to you. Well, even then, there's Mr. Ryan, he's next door to mine, and there's young Holden and that peanut man, they're next door on t'other side, and there's Mr. Pearson, he's next door below. Why, now, I've got neighbors thick as hops, nearer than most folks have, and I put the bottle to their lips every day of my life, every single one of em silence for a little and then another phase of the question well now where's the use if i didn't hand the bottle to em why jim would and they'd get it all the same so where's the difference that's none of my business toad answered himself sharply and with a touch of the feeling which means get thee behind me satan it don't say woe to jim and i ain't got nothing to do with him it don't say that if it's got to be done anyhow i may as well do it as any other fellow it just says woe right out sharp and plain and i know about it and i do it that's the point stick to the point toad moll you blockhead you if you're arguing a thing why don't you argue and not slip and slide all over creation ah toad if only wiser heads than yours would remember that important item well said this young logician rising at last from the edge of his bed and heaving a bit of a sigh as he did so the long and short of it is it can't be done never any more and then there comes a thing that has got to be done right straight and i've got to go and do it and that's the worst of it and i don't know what to do next that's a fact but that's neither here nor there with this extremely lucid explanation of his decision and his intentions toad put on his hat and went to the post office thus it happened that when mr hastings mail had been delivered as usual the boy hesitated and finally asked with an unusual falter in his voice can i see mr hastings a minute well sir said that gentleman whirling around from his table and putting himself in a lounging attitude well sir what can i do for you this evening anything in the line of business 
this he said with the serio-comic air which he seemed unable to avoid assuming whenever he talked with this travelling companion of his toad plunged at once into the pith of the matter yes sir i've come to talk about business i've got to leave your hotel and i thought i'd better come and let you know indeed have you decided to change your occupation going to study law or medicine toad i haven't made up my mind said toad i've just got to the leaving part bad policy my boy never leave one good foothold until you see just where to put your foot when you spring ho said toad i have stepped in a bog and sunk in now i've got to spring and trust to luck for getting on a stone mr hastings leaned back in his chair and laughed you'll do he said at last but seriously my boy what has happened at the hotel i heard good accounts of you and i thought you were getting on finely does jim leave all the boots for you to black or what is the matter you mustn't quarrel with a good business for trifles it's not jim nor boots sir it's bottles bottles yes sir bottles i'm not going to put em to my neighbors any more i don't see what any of you mean by it like enough though you never noticed that figure are you sure you know what you are talking about toad inquired mr hastings with a curious mixture of amusement and dignity because i certainly do not seem able to follow your train of thought why that habakkuk he's the one who says it sir but then you know it's in the bible and i've made up my mind not to do it ah i begin to understand so you come up here to-night for the purpose of delivering a temperance lecture for my benefit that was kind certainly and i'm all ready to listen proceed never was sarcasm more entirely lost toad was as bright and sharp as ever and had never been taught to be respectful no sir he answered promptly i didn't come for that at all i came to tell you that i had got to quit your business but if you want to hear a temperance lecture there's habakkuk he can do it better than any i know of mr hastings's dignity broke once more into laughter well toad he said at last i'm sorry you're such a simpleton i had a higher opinion of your sharpness i think mr roberts meant to do well by you who has been filling your head with these foolish ideas habakkuk has sir only one who has said a word there was no sort of use in talking to toad mr hastings seemed desirous of cutting the interview short very well he said i don't see but you have taken matters entirely into your own hands what do you want of me nothing sir only i and here toad almost broke down a mist came suddenly before his eyes and his voice seemed to slip away from him the poor boy felt himself swinging adrift from the only one to whom he had ever seemed to belong a very soft tender feeling had sprung up in his heart for this rich man it had been pleasant to meet him on the street and think i belong to him the feeling was new to the friendless worse than orphan boy and he had taken great pride and pleasure in it so now he choked and his face grew red as at last he stammered 
i i like you and then another pause mr hastings bowed that is very kind certainly what then would you let me bring up the mail for you evenings just the same i wouldn't want no pay and i'd like to keep doing it for you mr hastings shook his head oh no i wouldn't trouble a man of your position for the world jim or some other boy will answer my purpose very well since you choose to cut yourself aloof from me when i was willing to befriend you why you must abide by your intentions and not hang around after me in any way toad's eyes flashed i don't want to hang around you he began as he turned to go then he stopped again he was leaving the house for the last time this one friend of his was out of sorts with him wouldn't let him come again and the little dora who had shown him about making all the letters and figures he was to see no more all the tender and gentle in his heart and there was a good deal swelled up again there were tears in his eyes when he looked back at mr hastings with his message would you please tell your little girl that i am glad about the letters and figures and i'll never forget em and and if i can ever do some little thing for you i'll do it some way mr hastings was growing annoyed he spoke in mock dignity i shall certainly remember your kindness he said bowing low and if ever i should be in need of your valuable assistance i shall not hesitate to send for you so toad went out from the hastings mansion feeling sore-hearted realizing thus early in his pilgrimage that there were hard places in the way he walked down the street with a troubled perplexed air what to do next was the question that is having settled affairs with mr roberts and slept for the last time in his little narrow bed whither should he turn his thoughts and his steps on the morrow toad had been earning his living and enjoying the comforts of a home long enough to have a sore choked feeling over the thought of giving them up a sense of desolation such as he had not felt during all his homeless days crept steadily over him and as he walked along the busy street with his hands thrust drearily into his pockets he forgot to whistle as was his wont mr stevens was hastening home from his office with quick business tread he was just in front and instinctively the boy quickened his step to keep pace with the rapid one toad knew him well had waited at him at table when there came now and then a stormy day and he sought the hotel at the dining hour instead of his own handsome home he halted presently before a bookstore and went in toad lounged in after him already the old careless feeling that he might as well do that as anything had begun to control him again mr stevens made his purchase gave a bill in payment and waited for his change and from his open pocket-book all unknown to him there fluttered a bit of paper and lodged at toad's feet toad glanced quickly about him nobody else saw it mr stevens was already deep in conversation with an acquaintance and might have dropped a dozen bits of paper without knowing it the paper might be of value and it might not 
toad composedly put his foot over it put his hands in his pockets and stood still mr stevens departed there was a bit of brown paper on the floor toad stooped and carefully picked that and the other crumpled bit up and busied himself apparently in wrapping something carefully up in the brown paper then he waited again presently a clerk came toward him well sir what will you have shoestrings answered toad gravely we don't keep them in a bookstore my boy oh you don't then i may as well leave and toad vanished who's the wiser for that i'd like to know he asked himself aloud as soon as the door was closed then he started for the hotel in high glee he stopped under a street lamp to discover what his treasure might be and behold it was a ten-dollar bill now indeed toad was jubilant a grand addition that would make to his little hoard and visions of all sorts of wished-for treasures danced through his brain his spirits rose with every step he sung and whistled and danced by turns had this strange boy then forgotten the errand which had taken him out that evening not by any means he went directly to the office as soon as he reached the house and made known to mr roberts his intention of leaving him he stood perfectly firm under mr roberts's questioning persuasions and rather tempting offers he squarely and distinctly gave his reasons for leaving and endured with a good-natured smile the laugh and the jeers that were raised at his expense he endured as bravely as he could whatever there was to endure for conscience's sake that evening and finally went up to his room triumphant triumphant not only in that but also over the fact that he had successfully stolen a ten-dollar bill oh toad toad and yet there was the teaching of all his life in favor of that way of getting money and he knew almost nothing against it he had only three leaves of a bible he had never heard the eighth commandment in his life he knew in a vague general way that it was wrong not perhaps to steal but to be found stealing just why he could not have told but he knew positively this much that it generally fared ill with a person who was caught in a theft but his ideas were very vague and misty besides he did not by any means call himself a thief he had not gone after the money it had come to him he was very much elated and as he went about making ready for sleep he discussed his plans aloud i'll go into business just as sure as you live i will i'll keep a hotel myself i'll begin to-morrow i'll have cakes and pies and crackers and wine oh bless me no i can't have wine but coffee jolly i can make tall coffee i can and that's what i'll have prezactly this ten-dollar patch will buy a whole stock of goodies and i won't clerk it another day see if i do by and by he quieted down so that by the time his candle was blown out and he was settled for the night graver thoughts began to come tain't right to steal he said aloud i know tain't right cause a fellow always feels mean and sneaking after it and cause he's so awful afraid of getting found out when i've done a nice decent thing i don't care whether i'm found out or not 
but then i didn't steal i didn't go into his pocket-book it blew down to me no fault of mine all i did was just to pick up a piece of paper off the floor no harm in that how did i know it was worth anything what's the use of me thinking about it anyhow he'll never miss it in the world he's rich my as rich as the president toad turned uneasily on his pillow shut his eyes very tight and pretended to himself that he was asleep no use they flew open again he began to grow indignant i hope i'll never have another ten dollars as long as i live if it's got to make all this fuss he said in a disgusted tone i wish i'd never picked up his old rag i don't like the feeling of it i didn't steal it that's sure but i've got it and i wish i hadn't the eyes of the lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good that verse again coming back to him with great force beholding the evil and the good which was this was it good toad's uneducated undisciplined conscience had to say nay to this well then was it evil i feel mean he said reflectively as mean as a thief pretty near i wouldn't like to have anybody know it i wouldn't tell of it for anything suppose i go down there to that prayer meeting and tell it would i do it no sir because why i'm ashamed of it but then i didn't steal it i didn't even know it was money oh bah toad mall don't you try to pull wool over your own eyes that way didn't you s'pose it was and would you have took the trouble to get it if you hadn't s'posed so come now and then see here i wouldn't have anybody know about it and after all there's them eyes that are in every place looking right at me tain't right that is sure and certain i didn't steal it but i've got it and it ain't mine and i oughtn't to have it i could have handed it back easily enough if i'd wanted to so i don't see but it looks about as mean as stealing and feels about as mean and maybe after all it's pretty much the same thing now what be i going to do and now he tumbled and tossed harder than ever that same miserable fear of those pure eyes began to creep over him again accompanied by a dreary sense of having lost something some loving presence and companionship on which he had leaned in the darkness i'll never do it again he said at last with solemn earnestness i never will not if i starve and freeze and choke to death i'll let old rags that blow to me alone after this i will then after a moment's silence he clasped his hands together and said with great earnestness oh lord jesus forgive me this once and i'll never do it again never after that he thought he could go to sleep but the heavy weight rested still on his heart he was not so much afraid of those solemn eyes as he was sorry an only half understood feeling of having hurt that one friend of his came over him what be i going to do he said aloud and pitifully i am sorry i'm sorry i did it and i'll never do it again still the heavy weight did not lift presently he flounced out of bed and lighted his candle in haste 
i'll burn the mean old rag up i will so he said with energy see if i'm going to lie awake all night and bother about it i ain't going to use it either i don't believe i've got any right to cause it ain't mine by this time the ten-dollar bill was very near the candle flame then it was suddenly drawn back while a look of great perplexity appeared on toad's face if it ain't mine what right have i to burn it up i'd like to know i never did see such a fix in my life i can't use it and i can't burn it and the land knows i don't want to keep it whatever be i going to do i wish he had it back again that's where it ought to be what if i should well now there's no use talking but suppose i ought to what then and there stood the poor befogged boy holding the doomed bill between his thumb and finger and staring gloomily at the flickering candle at last the look of indecision vanished and he began rapid preparations for a walk End of chapter 11